0: So, yeah, dude, let's, like, jump right into it. Um, so, dude, I was doing, like, I've watched your vlog, like, forever. Um, but I was doing some research on you. And maybe you got this question before. Are you the original privateer man?
1: <laughs> uh, I have not gotten that question. But I would maybe <laughs> not, like, um, confidently claim it. But, yeah, I think I was one of the first, if not the first dude to move away from a team-based program and move into, which I've never really considered myself, like, a privateer but more moved away from large programs because I had grown up racing on big teams and had kind of more or less gotten tired of it. So moved to a single-based, single-rider program. Yeah, I think I inspired Tobin the next year when we both left Cal Giant and kind of, yeah, I think I was maybe the first one for sure.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah, dude, it's like uh, that's the hot thing right now, right? So uh, yeah, you're at the, the forefront of it
1: yeah i try hard to you know to at least hold it down for us like we're not privateers it gives us a bad not that i don't mean towards you but so many guys are considering themselves privateers and i'm like hey man we still run a pretty tight ship and you know try to be for pro. sure
0: dude for sure man yeah, yeah um so yeah dude so when you were on other teams prior to that like you raced i didn't know man you raced over in europe you're not U- year 19 that was like 2009 2008 or was that 2011
1: um yeah i go I over there in my development years, I went over there every year. Yeah. I was a three or four time world member as a U 23 and junior all those years. And yeah, I started going over there in 08.
0: That's amazing, man. And like your, you mentioned Tobin, I was looking at like, I was looking at the 2013 world championships and it was like, I think Curtis was there abandoned ham. Um, mm-hmm. That's crazy, dude. Like that, that whole crew, man, That that's pretty awesome. And all you
1: dudes are still just like crushing it nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. 2013. That was uh, probably coxide in the sand. Uh, I think it was Holger Hyde, actually. Okay, yep, that was yeah, a super yeah. muddy year. Yeah, I remember that one. Okay, yeah, that was my last year as a U twenty three. Awesome, man.
0: Yeah. Um, so was there? You kind of touched on this before, but like so you're you're on, you're on the teams. Um, you're on the, the the development teams there. What kind of was the impetus there to kind of go out on your own? Did you kind of just want to have some freedom there, or was there anything specific?
1: Yeah, I'd say mostly the freedom. Um, I mean. I was, I picked up by Cal giant. I was one of their first, if not their first junior rider myself and there's U 23 kid chance noble at the time. Um, so as my first year junior, I was basically on a a big sort of program and for six years of doing all the development years, I kind of figured out what I liked. I figured out what I didn't like. And by the time it was time to go to the elites, I found out that they were going to no longer have an elite team and I didn't have any plans to change, but they had previously had an elite men racing and women, uh, racing and they didn't want to do it anymore. So I kind of was left to figure it out and I wanted to keep all the same sponsors I had and basically decided I'm going to start my own one-on-one. So there were things I liked and things I didn't like about the teams, but I would say the number one thing for me was sticking with specialized and SRAM and zip the companies that I have still with to this day and were, have been with from the beginning. And so that was maybe the number one, um, Focus with starting my own team, for sure. Dude. is that also like when you started doing the vlogging and stuff? No, the vlogging came a lot later. Um, I was always into making videos. Myself and a good buddy of mine, Nick Wayhall, used to do course previews of all the USGPS when uh, he was still racing on Cow Giant. And so we would go out and we'd film with little GoPros the course preview. Uh, he'd film, I'd film a little bit, and then I would edit on my way home, and then we'd post it up. And then it ended up getting some traction and four times a year we'd host a or we'd post a um course preview video and that kind of didn't really blossom much it just sort of kept rolling and then out of the blue i was always into making videos i decided to start doing the vlog on a daily basis that's awesome man dude i just the
0: the, your recent video on the new crux which i want to talk about too dude that was awesome (laughs) like there was a lot of like info on the internet about it but i think your breakdown was pretty awesome um you're like trust the kid the kid knows what he's talking about
1: <laughs> well that's good thanks i yeah i I felt like I maybe it was like the defender of it from the cross world and I had to at least give it some you know some uh, some praise you know that there's just no conversation about it and and uh, I get where where special is coming from and I, I speak to him all the time about that but I was like oh man you mean get, get us a little bit of love for us I thought it was good you
0: you helped like draw that line between like the, the diverge and the crux man, which I think is really there so mm yep yeah. yep totally. um all right dude so i was gonna save this question to the end but um what are your feelings on like the uci point shakeup, up dude like, is that, like <laughs> res- has that i kind of reach is that like reshaped your season or like what are your thoughts on that like i know that you, you did some really good results at rochester um but i know like with those random draws it's like you're just kind of hoping for the best right
1: yeah i definitely have been a. I- would say not on the losing end, but if I was to, uh, you know, put it in a certain verbiage, it'd be in the losing end of all of the random draws so far. Um, So do I think it's, it's fun? No, but do I think it's fair? Like it's, it's pretty fair for what, what it can be. Um, I wish that selfishly, maybe there were other ways that we could come up with this, but at the same time it's, it is what it is. It's what they decided to do. Um, I pulled a good number the first day in Rochester and I had some, serious nerves going into the race like after a year and a half of not racing and not knowing as i kind of have said like what cards i was holding you know i I was real nervous and i had a good ride but um not not incredible ride you know started i ended up starting 19th and finished i think 17th um but then the next day i pulled like 53 i think and then moved up to 17 and so it's like in my head i'm thinking i got the you know the butterflies out of my my uh, my racing system and so had i had saturday sunday's ride on saturday probably had a real good ride I'm like okay feeling good and then moving into baltimore i pull like 73 out of 76 and i'm like okay i mean and i move up to like I think 20 something so i'm like consistent but i'm still pulling bad you know bad numbers and then in second day in baltimore i pull in the 50s again and so it's like i'm feeling good with what i'm racing but i you know eventually you kind of run out of guys to start passing you know <laughs> for sure dude
0: yep yep dude so i was actually i was at rochester i was at i was at uh charm city as well i was on your wheel oh, for, a for a little while until you until you dropped me it was all good <laughs> six, six yeah <laughs> yep um so uh yeah dude so in this does that change your season then at all like with like are you like specifically targeting some
1: different races at all um no i'm not you know i um, well, I mean, it kind of changed my season cause I was planning to go to the world cups, you know, at least said hopes to, and then that went nowhere. And so, um, I pulled the plug on not going to jingle to race the other two, just because this next block that I've got is another three weeks. And so three weeks straight would, could have been maybe four weeks straight. So I decided to not do that and just keep it with my, kind of my main, my main program. I was always planning to race a few mountain bike races and some gravel events in this time frame because with everything that went on, Cross got a bunch of other events dumped on it. Right. And there's a few fewer cross races. And so I always wanted to fill those weekends. So the next few I've got um, Cincinnati, I'm going to go BWR in Kansas and then Iceman. Um, so different disciplines in cross season. So I technically maybe would go points hunting, you know, at, at some of the smaller races, but I'm deciding to commit to my original plan and I was going to race Rochester through the world cups, take a break. And then do these next three. And I just got an extra week break basically. Yep.
0: Yep. Do you then like, so you're used to this, man. You've, you've had prior seasons of this, like on these travel blocks, man, do oh, they, yeah. do they wear you down still? Or are you the kind of like you go on autopilot, you know how to handle this.
1: I feel pretty comfortable with it. Um, I used to go on big blocks of being gone on the road and that broke me down. Um, I've since changed a bunch of years back. I started to go to just flying in and flying out and most of the time I get looked at, like I got four eyes and people think that that's draining, but to me, it's not like getting home to recharge for just a couple of days is, is all I need. And it just enough of even like swapping out, you know, t-shirts and, you know, clothes that you've got with yourself on the road and not feel like you're wearing the same thing for one time. I did a five week straight stint on the road and that was, it just absolutely broke me. So five weeks of racing is not bad, but five weeks of living out of a suitcase is pretty bad.
0: For sure, dude. No, like when you're saying people look at you crazy too, on that, you did the vlog from Rochester and like, you were like, I'm back home. And then I saw you in Baltimore, Baltimore the next weekend. I was like, dude, this guy's crazy, man. He's flying yeah. all over the place.
1: Yeah. But um, yeah, I would just prefer yeah. to get home for just a little bit. I've always been the kind of guy that I'll, you know, if, if we're working like mad, like just give me like an hour break and then I'm, you know, good. I could go mad for another five days kind of thing. So when racing, just give me a little bit of reprieve and then I'm good to go again.
0: Sweet man. So are you then, are you, cause you're, you're packing the bikes up and flying on I mean, them. you got the wheels. Um, are you like unpacking everything or do you keep some bikes packed away or like, is there kind of a method there?
1: I unpack everything okay. and I'll basically run through it. Less of a big deal when we have these dry races like we've had, but like, you know, you come back from a muddy weekend for sure. We're going to run through everything. We're going to make sure that everything one just gets dried out. Uh, cause sometimes we'll pack them kind of wet you know because you're still trying to dry them off but you got you have no option to keep them out of the bag so you want to let them dry out and make sure nothing's getting you know completely demolished so they'll always get taken out and, and rebuilt. for sure
0: all right um so we're talking speaking of traveling you're saying on this topic have you i mean again you've been doing this for so long like staying on top of like sleep and nutrition and all that like do you have like do you have like a, have you developed a plan throughout all these years or do you have like kind of like go to certain restaurants or you bring in all your food with you going to the grocery store what's kind of like your method there like being on the road
1: um i i'm not super particular with what i eat or my diet or anything like that and so it keeps it pretty easy for me uh i don't do like host housing or anything so for the most part we're eating out um and occasionally if i can book a hotel it does like a little mini kitchen tends to be more in like the the spring and summertime racing for whatever reason i can get more of those hotels so i'll like hit up trader joe's and do uh, their pre-made stuff or even make small things and i i really enjoy that um, but i'm i'm cool with eating now it doesn't bother me at all i try to you know find the local culture too i i i like food i like i like you know good meals I'm not one of those guys that just strictly eats just to consume calories so i'm gonna find a good restaurant and enjoy the the vibe too that, That's that true, makes dude part of the road you know living on the road fun dude 100
0: percent, man i totally that's going to rochester me and my buddies were like we gotta you gotta eat out someplace or in baltimore it's the same thing you know Yep. um yeah um and also dude, you're going to like the same races year after year like i'm sure you know the lay of the
1: land like you know where the trader joe or the chipotle is or whatever you know um mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I tend to go to the same coffee shops and, and uh, start my mornings there and kill time. That's like the downside of, you know, racing at four o'clock in the afternoon is you got nothing but time to kill. And so I end up finding a lot of fun spots. Usually, you know, all the coffee shops, all, you know, try to find a sneaker shop or whatever and, you know, kill time.
0: Nice, man. So, dude, let's talk about that race day. Do you have, what's like your race day plan? Like, are you getting like a specific number of pre-rides in? Um, I mean, I guess for Saturday, you're probably riding on Friday, so you already know that the course, but, um, what about that? Do you have like a special, like a special routine on race day?
1: Um, usually my timing is, is pretty similar. So I kill as much time in the morning as possible. And then my day kind of gets started about four hours out from the race time. So from that Mark, I'll, I'll wolf down my, my pre-race meal, and then I'll just get right to the course And I'll I don't like eating at the course. I just like to eat at home or wherever it is and then get there. And whenever time I get there, I don't usually rush to like hit the specific UCI pre-ride because usually it's a long ways out to them. there's there before the four hour mark. So I'll just get out there and then take uh, as many laps as I can. in that short windows between the races, usually it's like a lap and a half for sure. And I'll get, get those uh, those in. I don't have, you know, Set numbers of laps that I'm trying to do, and I kind of start to feel it. And if I'm feeling good, I'll ride some more. I'm feeling a little off. I want to make some adjustments. Then you know, make those adjustments and then get into it. I usually start feeling the flow pretty good. As long as the course is fun and I can get my rhythm on it, then I'll just keep ripping laps.
0: For sure, man. You seem like you're you're pretty pretty laid back, man. That's like from being at these races and watching the other pro guys, like. Everyone, like I'm out there, you know, like freaking out, like, am I going to be able to ride this? And everyone's just like, ah, no big deal, you know? Yeah, I um, yeah, mean, I think that only comes with like, you know, doing it year after year um, and having that skill set and everything. And, and yeah, it just gives you more and more confidence.
1: Yep. Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I think you, you, get, you get confidence in, in yourself or get confidence in what you're good at too. So I learned a while back to not worry about what other people do. And just because they're doing it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And so as long as you, you keep that in the back of your head, then you're good. You know, you'll, you'll be able to ride and, you know, do whatever you want to stick to, stick to your guns. That's the best thing to do. For sure, man. So also in
0: regards to traveling, dude, are you, are you switching the bikes at all? Like I'm saying, are you changing cassettes? Are you changing
1: chain rings? Um, No, not really. I mean, we change chain ring sizes um, from time to time and that would depend upon what the course kind of asks for or... If there's some, you know, unique scenarios with like crazy winds or whatever, that would vary, um, you know, muddy, thick, you know, heavy courses. We're doing smaller rings, but no, I don't really change setups on the bike too much. Okay. That's also something I think that guys can get lost into personally, you know, get too nerdy about and wind up, you know, just getting yourself in a hole for sure, dude.
0: Um, but you're probably, you're running in 12 speed, right? So you got like probably like what, 1033 or something like Mm -hmm. you got a huge range there anyways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 1033. We used to ride the 1132. So we're only getting, you know, only getting more out of it. So that's our go-to and usually a 42 chain ring, sometimes a 44. Sweet.
0: Um, all right, dude. Yeah. So that's like travel and stuff, I wanted to get more into like specifically about like training. Um, so like we talked about before, like you were racing as a junior, you 23 elite, Um, I was going through your cycle across 24, like it gives you like the rundown of like top tens and top twenties and stuff. And just like year after year, you were getting like a few top tens and then more top tens. Then you're getting on the podium, you're getting more and more UCI points. Were you tweaking anything as like those years went on in like your training or your prep? Like, was there anything that comes to mind of like, um, like specifics for, you know, doing, doing better and better, getting more results?
1: I think I definitely gained more confidence in what I did well. And then I started to continue to build on that and realizing that, you know, I, what I feel like in my head and what I feel on the bike and all of that, like, I shouldn't try to, you know, dwindle that, like, I should keep what I feel good about, keep that like right in front of me. The biggest thing so many for so long, I was always like told what to do. And I was like, this is uh, not, this doesn't make sense to me but like, okay, I guess, you know, all these fast guys are doing it. And over the years, more so when I got out of my own program too, but over the years I realized I'm like, this just isn't, it's not me, you know? So do me. And then it all comes together. I haven't changed anything, you know, coach wise. I've had the same coach for a long period of time and we've continued to build and build and build. And I think his trajectory has always been a pretty long trajectory too. So slow and steady, you know, we always look at it as like a pyramid, you know, the wider the base of the pyramid, the harder it is to topple. There you go, man. Those pyramids that are really, really short and short and high, they're easy to fall over. And, you know, so it doesn't take much. So what about, so those things,
0: do you have examples of like kind of like what maybe would work for someone else that maybe wasn't working for you or maybe it was kind of like the norm?
1: Uh, Oh, like the first thing that comes to mind is like warm up at the race. You know, I, I see so many guys get on the trainer an hour ahead of time, or I see so many, you know, within an hour, like an hour to 45 minutes ahead of time is a pretty common, like we're going to hop on the trainer and get going. And I just couldn't do it. And uh, riding the trainer itself, like I just would go out and ride on the road. So I only warm up for about 20 minutes or so. And uh, I do a couple of quick snap sprints in there. And if I kind of feel it right right away, I don't need to do much more. I I know that I'm kind of Prepped and charged, and if I'm not feeling it, then I got to do a couple more. I got to I got to get deeper into that that kind of well to to get warmed up. But it doesn't take a whole lot of time to to get me going. You know, so just that, for example, you know, don't don't weigh yourself down with the process, and don't tire yourself out too potentially. For sure, dude.
0: I think some people get that in their minds like they have these prescribed whatever 45 minute warm up, and they're like, I'm feeling a little fatigued, man. And it's like, well, dude, you should have should have pulled the zip cord there, like when you felt like you were good, you know. Mm -hmm. um or same thing with like doing openers or whatever you know it's dial it back you don't have to be fatigued come race day
1: yep yeah i would say that i mean my i'd say my training process has always been focused on more short and intense efforts and less of those like all day long drag and drag out rides like i've just never been into that i can't hold my it doesn't hold my attention for one and i just can't really you know just get stoked on it. And so I've always had shorter, more intense workouts. And, you know, that's probably trained me more into cross versus into, you know, endurance racing, which is fine. And that's what I've gotten good at. And just stick with what I know. Like, you know, you don't have to always use the same coach. You don't always have to use the same pres- prescribed program. Like there's a lot of ways to, you know, to cut the pie, but so many people only want to do it one way. You got to find out what
0: works for you, man. So like mm-hmm. when you say though, like doing, I'm, I'm sure you're probably still doing endurance rides, right? Like maybe you're not going out and doing eight hours back to back. um, But you're probably, you're still getting your endurance
1: rides. And I would imagine, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I do it depends on the time of year, you know, like this okay. time of year, we really don't do any, you know, in the summertime, I really like going out for long rides with buds. And, uh, you know, in the springtime, I love it a lot. It just, it depends on the time of year though. But this year, this time of year, I don't really at all. Okay. Like my average ride is probably no longer than an hour and a half. What are you doing then like in, so say like your, say, say like, what was that
0: week like from between Rochester and charm? Like, so you got, you have travel in there. So you have those days. Are
1: you doing any intervals
0: in there or anything? Or,
1: um, every week we do a big day behind the scooter. So I, I have a, um, a motor pacing scooter set up with a roller and everything I've had for years. And so we do one day behind that every week. And then, uh, that gets supplemented by the racing obviously. And then in the, the lead up to it, we would do that multiple days a week. But come race season, it's just that one day a week. So usually Mondays are off with travel. Um, if I get home and I've got time, then I'll usually do something in the gym on a Monday. And then Tuesday, motor pace. Wednesday, a pretty easy ride. Thursday, a pretty easy ride. And then Friday, we're back out on the course, getting you know some speed work back in. And then you're racing hard Saturday, Sunday. There's not a lot of time really in between. And so yeah, I think it's also something for me, you can't really try to cram in too much and you also can't really get too specific because sometimes time doesn't allow it, you know, for sure, dude.
0: And like you said, man, you're going so deep, you're doing 120 minutes of all out efforts every weekend back to back. Like you got to be well rested for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And usually every week I feel pretty good come Tuesday. um, And I can tell like how the week might go, especially when I'm behind the scooter. That's a, that's a big gauge for me. Um, and, and for my coach. And so we can, he can see how I look on the bike and I know how I feel on the bike. And that's a good indicator of where we're at based on what the week might hold for us going into the next weekend. But usually it's always the same. There's just not that much time. So hard on Tuesday, easy Wednesday, easy Thursday. And then we're back hard, you know, kind of hard Friday, real hard Saturday, Sunday. Sweet. What about, are you
0: throwing? So you said you're doing some strength work in there. Are you doing strength then throughout the whole season?
1: Yeah, I pretty much do it all the time going to back off leg stuff, you know, come, come race season, but I don't do, you know, in years past, this is kind of a new program that I've started to do mostly based on friends that I've been hanging out with. And, and they're, I'm, I'm adopting um, a lot of their practices for strength training from the mountain bike world. And then they're adopting more of my like endurance roadie world. Uh, good buddy, of mine, Derek has been, you know, rubbing off on me a little bit. And then also I've been dealing with a kind of an ongoing, Luckily not an on-the-bike thing, but an off-the-bike like kind of pain. So we're doing a lot of PT and it's basically coming down from a little bit of a lack of strength, especially my upper body. And so we've been doing doing that every week. Sweet dude. What yeah. um I'm curious. So we have a
0: Discord chat for a book, and there's like I think there's like 250 guys on there, 250 athletes. Um, and there's different channels, and the strength channel is always like the one blowing up with strength questions. Mm-hmm. Um I'm curious as to what like what are those mountain bike like like workouts that you're getting and what are the other ones that you're kind of giving to those guys
1: um oh i'm not so much giving workouts to those guys they're just giving me all the off the bike training but i'm giving them like the on the bike um education gotcha. sort of thing okay yeah, yeah, but yeah okay I've, I've just been onboarding as much as possible but like uh you're asking me, like things that we actually do specifically
0: yeah so it like yeah some gym stuff
1: um we do some kettlebell swings for for lower body stuff we do um with no weight like just movement of like hip hinges and um, things based around the hip, the um, hip flexor and hamstring. So like the T hold style stuff. Um, And then I've been doing kettlebell work throughout my shoulders. That's kind of where my, my injury is not really an injury, but like kind of a pain falls. And so a lot of shoulder stability with overhead kettlebell holding and um, like windmill style twisting and arm bar and a lot of shoulder stability between my shoulder blades and my mid back and trying to get like rotation trying to be less like blocky, basically. Okay. So a lot of, a lot of stability stuff with the kettlebell. Um, what else have I been doing? I do some simple, you know, some, some traditional like push-ups instead of and like Russian sure. twists with the kettlebell um, sitting on my butt for core work, trying okay, to be you... a little bit more proactive about that. Do you,
0: um, so you're doing a lot of like free weight stuff with kettlebells and stuff. Do you, is there a time in the season? Are you doing, because like the big thing in like cycling is like, should you be pushing big weight, right? Mm-hmm. Are you doing any, are you doing anything like, with, you know, like max weight or trying to max out or anything? Are you kind of keeping
1: it a little bit like more chill throughout the year? I'll do some heavier stuff, but usually it's all with the free weight. Like I don't usually use like a squat rack or anything, mostly because I have my own little like, garage gym and i don't have a, a rack system or anything but um you can definitely start moving some heavier weight different times a year but also i would say it's more like it picks up just slightly heavier weight but then you know a lot more like quick explosive movements and then this time of year it becomes more um smaller smaller weights like longer and longer um rep sets and stuff just to like keep it moving keep the blood flowing for sure And
0: then also do like being riding the mountain bike, like you are and racing cross. Like I think doing those free weights gives you that other, you know, that stability, that mobility that you don't necessarily always get whether you're doing the leg press or even if you're doing a regular squat, there's some mobility there too. But uh, yeah,
1: doing the free weights gives you that little bit extra there that you can use for mountain biking and cross. Yeah. I've noticed a dramatic difference, um, huge improvement with, like fatigue level through my upper body at the end of the longer gravel events and mountain bike races. Cool. It's like really noticeable and I don't really notice it or I didn't start noticing it until like you know, I've quite a few races in, but you don't notice it until like an hour after the race. And you're like, Oh, well, I actually don't feel that bad. And you know, normally where I'd be like killing you're just like, okay, this kiss is working.
0: (laughs) So dude, so in regards to your typical run up to the season, like we are doing the mountain bike races, um, I was checking you out, I think in like 2013, 2014, you did quite a few road races going into the cross season, um, and then you kind of backed
1: it off. You're digging then... up the dirt, dude. I raced on the road.
0: Yeah, dude, You road results, man. You yeah. can't hide anything.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, you, you did a lot of road races then, and then you kind of backed it off. Um. And then now, like, I think you're like supplementing it more with like mountain bike races and you're doing a lot of gravel events and stuff. Do you feel like it's like do you feel like the gravel is different or is a better like you know way into cross season basically like you're running the cross season what's like your preferred manner to, to get ready for cross season
1: uh i've gone through a lot of different ones and different um approaches when i was racing a lot on the road that was mostly because cow giant wanted me to and i did enjoy it and i i learned a lot about it and i've actually in the last last year pre pre uh everything hit in the fan with COVID. I was planning to race a lot more all summer long. It's a lot more road, a lot more uh, gravel and cross country stuff. And we've, I, we don't have, we have a good amount of gravel races out here, but not, nothing like the Midwest. So it's going to be mostly like cross country and uh, road, road stuff. The only race I did last year was actually a road race uh, or two years last, last year. Um, but my favorite run up would probably be primarily uh, um, kind of like a, a spring road, and then into a summer mountain bike. And I used to always cap off my, my mountain bike racing with Downeyville out here. And that gave me a good indicator where we were going at into the cross season. And that was always like the final mark in August. That's usually what I was like. Those early season, we've got a ton of races in NorCal on the road. And then it kind of moved into mountain biking, some gravel stuff come summer.
0: Nice, man. And then with that like preferred lineup there, like that's a combination of like mountain bike um, and then going to the cross season. Are you spending when do you kind of shut things down or when you transition into doing more stuff on the cross bike, or are you kind of like week of, cause I know some guys are like that. They're like, I showed up to like you another week before my race and I got the cross dusted, the cross bike off and started going, or are you, you getting ready a couple months before?
1: Yeah. I'd say at least a, a, you know, a few weeks to a month out for sure. Okay. Yeah. I think you, you got to get those skills back. I mean, this year in Rochester, I, I was very adamant about getting on the course on Friday for like, you know, I think I spent almost two hours on the course just to get that flow back. Cause we hadn't had that. And I have been riding my cross bike and I had done some clinics here, but I hadn't, you know, found my flow around a cross course and turn in that many times in a long while. So I think you definitely have to, you got to get your feet wet again and you got to make sure that you got your skills honed in. I think it'd be, that'd be wise for everybody. For sure. What about, are you doing some running, um, in the, in the month going up to it? Okay. Yeah, I definitely have. Um, I've kind of picked up like two years ago, I picked up, or I guess last year it would have been times flying, or you know, all skewed with everything. Um, I kind of got pretty big into running, and so I was also supplementing in less of it, like with a focus on making me better in cross, but just like because it was fun. I, I got into you know some some good length runs, running for you know an hour at a time plus. So I've been I've been enjoying that for sure too. Awesome, man. So now with you having some more mountain bike
0: races, you got like Iceman coming up. Um, are you? Spending some, Are you making yourself get some time on the mountain bike, like even in the middle of cross season?
1: Yeah, I have. I've always been a guy that picks picks a different bike every day of the week to ride, and so I'm not spending tons amount of time just on one bike exclusively. So, yeah, I mean, I rode the mountain bike this weekend with my buddy Derek, um, the hardtail that I raced at Iceman. You know, this morning I was on the cross bike behind the scooter. um You know, last week I rode to work on my road bike a couple of days. So yeah, I, I'm always mixing it up for sure. But I am spending more time on that that hardtail right now.
0: I I saw pick two of you I think on Strava, you are on a fixie as well, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've got a sweet fix here <laughs> Yep, nice. yeah, it's not your average fix fixie for the town the town kids. It's kind of a funny story how i acquired it but yeah it's a it's a pretty like pimped out full-on track race bike that i i will never race on the track so i just ride it around town <laughs> it's got a big handlebar
0: yeah that's the messenger style man that's like the i mean i spent 10 years living in new york city and i got into track bikes and stuff um i was like
1: oh dude cody man he's rocking the flat bars it's awesome yep yep yeah flat bar it's got some sweet i kind of wanted to go like as much made in the usa as possible on it all made in norcal so i got like phil wood track hubs on it and head yeah it's it's pimping for sure yeah the guys built me some custom wheels and it's all tracked out that's awesome dude (laughs) yeah um so yeah dude i think we oh dude so i wanted to talk about like
0: we kind of did this like you, you spend a lot of time like with the scooter are there any like specific intervals you're doing on the scooter that you feel like really prep you going into cross season
1: um, no, it's not really like an interval. It's more just like wide open behind it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We don't do a lot of interval work behind the scooter. Yeah. Right. More, more of the, to me, more of the interval stuff would, I mean, you can do some short sprints, but those, those like hard hidden interval stuff come from like riding mountain bikes and punching it on climbs and getting that, just getting that aerobic up, breathing hard. Sweet. Yeah.
0: Awesome, man. Um, so I got to talk to you about technical abilities, dude. Cause like you are the man. I'm sure you get this question a lot. What is your recommendation for dude? Everyone wants to ride it like Cody did. What is it just, is it just spending time on the bike? Is it getting out there uh, on the mountain bike? What's like, what's your piece of advice there?
1: I think if more people spent more time focusing on, on skills, it would help everybody for sure. And riding mountain bikes or riding, riding like kind of the trend right now, like, you know, underbiking things is is a good good verbiage for it like i used to ride my road bike when i was younger road bike on the dirt trails we have all these like walking dirt trails decomposed granite he's ride on them all the time and so stuff like that like getting that that surf zone and that ability to kind of feel the bike beneath you ride mountain bikes and learning how to read terrain and you know where to put your eyes and what you know the the what the eye body coordination needs to do you know i think that's that's huge and that's where so many people just focus so heavily on, on the power and staring at that garment. And so it's good to, good to reshuffle a little bit and, and hone those hand-eye skills for sure. For sure, man. I feel like that's the
0: number one recommendation I've gotten from the guys at the pointy ends of these cross races is just more time on the cross bike, but not on the road, you know, like go mm-hmm. out there, get on some mixed terrain, hit up some trails Mm -hmm. um just spending time on the bike just like you said like uh getting those small things just throwing your body around in these turns Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and i mean ride your road bike on the dirt too and 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 see what responds and because you can't go diving into turns and you know drop that that lower half of your body and shoulder into a turn like you can on a road bike and it will not work out well for you so figure out how that dirt moves and try to push the envelope a little bit for sure dude um we touched on this a little bit, but going back to
0: equipment, man, do you see, I mean, cause you're like, dude, I feel like you always got the newest stuff. Do you see any new things coming out or do you wish there's any new stuff coming out in regards to like cross equipment? Do you see uh, any advancements that you'd like to see?
1: That I'd like to see um, way back. I had this great idea that I gave to the guys at zip for a handlebar that was specific to like better drop bar handling because riding in a drop bar sucks and it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> what I'd love to see I'd love to see like a custom drop handlebar that doesn't come from the road market that's designed for off-road riding. We're starting to see a little bit of it with this, like, you know, especially just came out with this really, really short drop bar. It's got like a hundred millimeters of drop, which is it's trending towards like kind of what we're looking for. But I want like crazy, you know, ergonomics that that are conducive to riding off road and like having good maneuverability and a, a firm hand grip. And cause like riding with your hands open is, it's not very good. You know, it's not very fun either. You're kind of like, Oh, you know, like hopping berries, like, sure. I'm good at it. At least I think, you know, I think I am, but I'm good at it. And like with the open handed, it can be kind of nerve wracking. You're like, Oh God. <laughs> so let's, let's design a bike around like specific off road drop bar stuff. Dude, I'd love to see,
0: did you make like a drawing by any chance for this idea?
1: (laughs) I kind of did. It was more so like really (laughs) weird shaped brake levers was what it came down to. But yeah, I did. I was like, I want like this really short bend and kink and the brake lever should like reach further underneath. And
0: yeah. I mean, I dude, I know you're a SRAM view, but was that kind of, I mean, because GRX, seems the Shimano seems to be like a little, I haven't, I've only seen pictures of it. I've never ridden GRX, but mm. I think maybe they were going for like a little something. It's, it's not quite, it's not what you're talking about, but
1: they were no, I think, moving it. I think they, I think they definitely, they, they were moving towards a better like hand placement hood positioning. Yeah. You know, I, I think that was, that was their idea behind it. Yeah. I mean, we, I work on so many bikes that have it and I know exactly what you, what it feels like. And yeah, it, it definitely, it trended in the right direction I think these hydro hoods are all going in the right direction just by nature of having that hood up a little higher, but I think there's always room for improvements for sure. But that'd be the one you, thing I, that was like the one thing that I was, I wish, I don't, I don't think it'll ever happen, but you know, I, I wish it'd be sweet.
0: Dude, I think gravel is going to have to quiet down before they start making like cross
1: specific uh, <laughs> yeah. advancements, right? Yeah. yeah. We got this much of the, we're losing more of the, the off-road market to gravel, but yeah. <laughs>
0: What about do the uh do you do you see a day when there's a dropper post on a cross bike for like for a cross race?
1: No, 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 I don't think so. And I think that riding these bikes, and there's a trend obviously with I have a dropper post on my gravel bike and spend a lot of time using it. And on the gravel, it's good to get that center of gravity lower. But I think that these bikes, if you start riding them with like too big of a tire, too chunky of a tire, or um, flat handlebars or anything like that. Like you just wind up breaking parts and you start riding the bike where you can't, or shouldn't really be riding it. And maybe you break yourself. And like I've seen it happen a few times and like, you can't ride these, you know, 20 pound, 18 pound bikes and, you know, ch- in the chunk. <laughs> I'll tell you what they dude, that drop at Rochester,
0: man, that was on when you're going down it on day one. Mm-hmm. Um, that was oh, my first sick. time riding it, dude. Did yeah, that was yeah, man. You had to get back there. I was like, yeah, maybe it wouldn't it'd be nice to have a dropper post for this. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: but uh, but yeah, um, dude. So again, we touched on this before, but like social media side of things, man. Like you running your own program and stuff. How important have you found? I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Um, you're like social media pro here, but how important is it still in you know like keeping the keeping the team going or just in general, dude? Like racing professionally, how important do you find social media to be?
1: I think it's important. Um, But, you know, I've actually I I find that having a presence in your local community can be even better than having one just on the Internet. Like it's it's definitely important to have social media out there. And it's definitely important to to I, I like to use social media for education. You know, I think as most people can see, not just like posting up pictures. And I'm, I'm really not one of the best at like Instagram. And, you know, I think the last time I put a picture up prior to one I put up like two days ago was like a month ago. Like I'm not <laughs> a big Instagram dude. I, I definitely could get better at that, but I just love like highlighting things or, and, and trying to break down learning things for people and growing that side of the community. So I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm a pro, but I just like showing I want to show people cool stuff Is what I want to do.
0: Well, dude, I appreciate it, man. And I'll tell you what, mean, I point people to your, like you did those videos with like, um, I don't know if it was maybe two years ago, but you were talking about like getting in the cross season and doing like slow, like dismounts and slow remounts and stuff. And it's just like, I'm like, dude, check out Cody's videos. He'll walk you through it. Um, yeah. So dude, I think it's time well spent and I know I appreciate it, but thanks for, thanks for doing that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess to answer your question, like, it helps. It helps everybody, you know, keep the the ship afloat and keep it moving in the right direction. But I I get a lot of feedback and a lot of you know encouragement from the the local communities too, and just being like a good ambassador, not just living through the digital world. For sure, dude. And I know
0: with the kinetic shop, dude, with your shop, you guys are doing. I think you guys have several weekly rides, right?
1: Yeah, we have weekend rides as well. Yeah, we do our Saturday road ride and a Sunday gravel ride. Yeah, nice. one of the first the gravel ride was kind of funny we started it a bit like quick story like we started we were gonna do two weeks of it prior to cross season like let's ride cross bikes again cross bikes on the dirt trails and the roads around sacramento to get going for the cross season and then everybody after the two weeks were like so when are we gonna do this a regular we're like no we're just gonna do two and done and they're like oh no no we're gonna keep this going now it's like five years later every sunday we do it
0: <laughs> that's awesome man
1: yeah <laughs> it was pretty funny
0: um what um so dude so you have the next rock block of racing coming up is there, are there any specific races that you're targeting like um i don't know nationals probably
1: yeah i um i actually would say maybe i'm targeting pan ams a little bit more um, okay. giving away my secrets i i love racing in dallas and i like the guys that put on those races i liked racing in tulsa when i thought it was gonna be in tulsa but then they moved it um and so yeah, I would I would target that even maybe a little bit more than than Nats just because of the venue and I know it and I like it and you know I think things click pretty click pretty well for me there. And so I'll uh I'll, I'll shoot for that. And, and awesome, nationals too. For sure. And when when is Pan Am? Is that like usually like mid November, early November? It's actually the weekend before Nats. So Oh is yeah, it? Okay. They go back okay. to back in December. Yep. Yep. And if Nats their Nationals are in Chicago, hopefully the weather is as you know, crummy as possible. That'd be really sweet.
0: Were you at uh, what was it Conne- uh, in Connecticut, Hartford? Right? Wasn't it Hartford? Yeah. Were you there? Okay, yep. nice dude. that
1: device. Yeah, that that was. So sweet. You, you, I, I like the mud. Yo, yeah, that race was sick. I like the mud, but yeah, that race was really tight. Yeah,
0: it was cold, dude. I was there watching, and I was freezing. Uh, that was a really cold day.
1: <laughs> it was fun. I just love those races where, frankly, where everybody starts complaining. And it's like, wow, you guys are all right. We are off to a good start. And I'm loving this. Like you guys just keep bitching. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's like usually how I am on
0: the road. Like I like it when it's, when it starts to rain, I'm like, all right, man, I know everyone else isn't enjoying this. So I need to enjoy this. Yeah. Dude. um, Yeah. You got to just lean into it. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You just like, just steal a little bit of their, you just, their, their soul just, they give it away <laughs> every time they complain They give a little bit more away.
0: Um, dude, we covered everything, man. Um, what about, uh, us CX, man? What are you, how how are you feeling that like with the, with the broadcast and stuff, man, are you, what are you feeling? Have you gone back and watched any of the other races on GCN or anything?
1: I haven't, I probably should, um, to see, I think that the, the whole thing as a whole is, is pretty good. It would be cool if there was just a little bit more kind of cohesion on the, um, you know the the whole sponsorship and entity but you got to start somewhere i'm not not going to break it down you know and beat it up i think that it's a good move i think that having them back to back to back is cool it would be sweet if they went you know like one a month you know spread it sort of fill that whole thing out versus just hitting it heavy and hard at the beginning i don't know why us cross has always done this but like we pack so much into the first little bit and then it just like almost fizzle ourselves out by the end um but that's what it is. But I think that they're doing good things for, to try to get some more media coverage back to the sport and try to, you know, to try to, I think, I think cross is losing some, some luster and they're doing a lot to try to get it back for sure. For sure.
0: Agreed dude. And I think, um, as awesome as gravel is and how good it is for the sport, you know, getting people on bikes, it is kind of a bummer that, uh, those people could be at cross races, you know, but again, <laughs> it's, it's, it's still good um but yeah man so I, I went back and i watched some of the some of the races um yeah dude it, it's good it's i agree with you though dude it would be nice i'd love to see some later season races where maybe like the weather get a little some yeah, mud dude, stuff So
1: sick. yeah i know that would be really nice um, It is. yeah it's it's like you're almost like robbing cross of some of that classic like we love watching those european races when it's just a total just shit storm and and uh I don't know if I can say that on here, but when it <laughs> is, <guessing>. like, yeah. <laughs> when it's like that, we love watching that. But then we don't want it here. It's like that's the best part, dude. That's right, dude. I had my fingers crossed. What was it? It was.
0: I think it was raining at Fayetteville, right, on Wednesday mm-hmm. last week. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I would have loved yeah. to, to do that. Like, this is gonna
0: be great, man. Do yep. what are your feeling? What are your feelings on that course when you're watching that? Or you think like that's like an interesting
1: course, right? It's like. Well, I didn't actually watch it. I should go back and watch it. Okay. You should um, go back
0: and watch it. I don't want to give you any spoilers. man.
1: Oh, it's all right. But, uh, <laughs> it did look like it was very man-made, which is interesting. Usually when that happens, it tends to kind of, um, numb it a little bit. I think it, it, it from what I've seen when the new school cross country courses went that way too, it turned into a total horsepower race, which you can, I can imagine if that race was dry from the pictures that I saw, I could, I think it'd be freaking group racing. It was so fast. I'm watching the,
0: the track preview. Um, I think, I think Curtis put one up or something and yeah, dude, there's like berms and the turns and stuff. Like you can just fly through that, man. I was like, I've never seen a cross course like this.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's that whole like movement of like these man-made, I think they're kind of, you know, taking on some of the cross country, new school cross country stuff, these full on man-made courses. Now,
0: is that like primarily a U.S. thing, though? Or do you see that – are the European courses changing like that? I know the European cross courses aren't, but are the cross-country yeah. courses?
1: Yeah, big time. Yeah, okay. big time, big time. Yeah, you've got – I mean, just look at – you see less – because the cross-country circuits on the mountain bike are a little bit more traditional with their locations still. They've had those same long standing just like our cross races do for those World Cups. But you look at like the Olympic courses and then some of the newly introduced World Cup courses, yeah, they're just full-blown just – racetracks you know there's there's like no single track in a cross-country race you're like what the hell
0: and is it is there do we know what the thought process there is i just don't they want more speed more action like i
1: I think they think that it's going to make for cooler racing because it's like all man-made techie features but yet it maybe just changes the racing just you know yeah there's getting way faster and like ripping through berms and hitting pump tracks and these man-made rock gardens and all that and there's kind of a pre-described, you know, or, or pre-prescribed uh, line that they want you to take almost because the way that they they move those rocks around. But
0: oh man. We'll see, dude. We'll see what happens with the uh with the cross forces, man. Hopefully fingers crossed they don't change too much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the traditional ones are fun. Like our nats in Seattle. The last time we had nats like that was just sick. Just man-made you know not man-made, but just cut through like this line and like we're going here. Like, all right, dude, let's go there. <laughs> What Either about would. you? So do you have a favorite course, um, domestically? And then, uh, in Europe, do you, what's your favorite course that you've raced on? Um, domestically, we don't race there anymore, but nationals and Cilocum was sweet when it was on the regular calendar. That's a great venue. Um, and on, I would say on a recurring race series, I like Texas a lot and I like Tulsa a lot. Uh, I think those two races are really, really good they don't get a lot of attendance because I think their location and they're late in the season, but I think they're really, really good races. They're always one of my favorites. And then in Europe, um, number probably would be my favorite. Yeah. Just raw, hard, just nasty for consecutive, you know, consistent racing of always having that course. Like that's a blast of a race. One of my favorites. that's, That's like the crazy off camber, right? number has got that long off camber. yet yeah, racing yeah. around the Citadel and it's always sure. muddy and big run-ups and big, you know, muddy descents. And yeah, that's a real fun one.
0: Love that mud, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about man? Um, I won't keep you much longer, but I got one last thing. Why do you think, and I'm sure you don't know, but I'm just kind of like, you know, spitballing here. I feel like all these races for the most part, and we've talked about this, there, there aren't that many like world cup not world cup races. There aren't that many like C ones and C
1: twos out on the West coast. Do you mm-hmm. think there's a specific reason for that, man? No, I don't think there's a specific reason. I just feel like, which I, I'm not, I wouldn't blame anybody, but I would almost put some blame on the rest of the racers that are on the East coast and the guys in the Midwest. It's like these guys per the promoters try to put on an event and then no one shows up to it. And that doesn't help them like, you know, gain encouragement. You know, there'll be a race weekend that there's no other conflicts with and there's a race in California or somewhere on the West coast. And then everyone's like, ah, we'll just skip that one. You know, it's like, and, and I would for sure point fingers at some of the bigger teams out there that have huge programs and they do that. And it's like, come on, man, you're not helping anybody. Like, sure. You're from new England and you have races in your backyard, but you're trying to grow the sport too. like grow the sport in a different care- category for sure. Or a different territory. I mean, and the, no, the sports not small out here. I mean, Seattle, series portland series our sacramento series like you're talking i know our sacramento series has got 10 races averaging 400 guys a race like you're you're talking big numbers here you know cross crusade is you know next level with two thousand racers in portland mfg in seattle is huge numbers like we've got big big you know kind of cultures out here but for whatever reason those uci races they try and then nobody shows up so then the guy's like well not worth it Dude, I think you made a really good point there, man. I, I've never really connected those dots.
0: It makes perfect sense. Here, yeah. here you are, dude, traveling back and forth every weekend. And we can't get, you know, the bigger programs who should be called out to go to one race on the West Coast, man.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. Like, we have, we used to have a consistent race in Colorado. Every year, there's always one. That's kind of gone away. And Colorado is a huge cycling market. We know that, right? That all the dudes that are from Boulder and Denver area, go to that race but yet no one else would show up so it's all the west coast guys and the colorado guys would go there and then all of us on the west coast and colorado like we go east you know and it's kind of like oh well, all right
0: dude that's a bummer that race that was the that the u at the u.s open a cyclocross right yeah
1: yep. yeah that's it yeah. do we what, what happened to that race do we know i think it was what did they have it two years ago they did. Yeah. I think this year, I don't know, you know, I, I really don't know what happened this year with the scheduling. I think that I know there's a lot of conversation that happens behind closed doors and there's some strong arming that goes on with event promoters and kind of telling what happens, you know, and telling people what where they're going to have their venue or their, uh, their weekend on the calendar. So I don't know if they kind of just got pinched and squeezed out or, or what they did maybe didn't want to host a race because of all of the, the protocols or whatever but i don't i don't really know but something's a little bit off we don't have anything we don't have anything west of iowa dude <laughs> it'd be nice man i know um mm-hmm. and and dude especially like
0: some new courses man like i think people mm-hmm. i don't know but i hear people complaining like oh dude it's always the same races and stuff and it's mm-hmm. like well it'd be nice if there were some other options you know but you just mm-hmm. gotta travel you know
1: Yeah. I mean, you got to travel, you know, unfortunately this country is really freaking big and the States are far apart and I I get that, but it doesn't always have to be expensive to travel. And it, it's good to, you know, to diversify the sport in its locations. Like as much as I love the, you know, the fall time of new England, like there's other places that race besides new England in, in the mid Atlantic, you know, for sure. Yeah, we do we do a lot of racing there and we do a lot of racing in that Ohio River Valley, which I love those guys too. And there's great races in the Louisville, Cincinnati, like they're great venues, but we, we kind of have like two pockets of racing and that's it anymore.
0: Well, dude, I hope it
1: expands. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day I'll put on a race. and just tell everybody.
0: <laughs> dude, I'm coming, man. You let me know. I'll put it on my calendar.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly.
0: One day. All right. Well, hey, dude, thank you, man. I kept you for an hour here of chat and I really appreciate it um dude good luck with the rest of the season good luck with that like i know it's that injury but that little nagging pain you got um yeah. and yeah man i'll be uh uh when's the next televised race i think that are you gonna be did, did you say you're gonna be at Cincinnati? Cincinnati. okay
1: yeah yep. yeah, yeah Thursday.
0: awesome man i'll be watching man good luck thanks dude i appreciate it thanks for having me on of course man all right have a good great. night man have a great evening peace out